0: All right, what is up and welcome back to Zen Business. I'm Jonathan Maxim, your host. And today I'm really stoked to talk to you guys about how to use mindfulness techniques to close more deals, to make more money, to push your business forward. And I'm going to be talking about very specific, nitty gritty stuff today because this is easily a topic that could become very strategic and like zoomed out. But today I want to talk about stuff that you can actually use tomorrow. All right, so let's jump in. Now, sales is all about connecting with humans, persuading them. And, and getting your way right and it's the same thing i mean sales obviously applies to every area of life like donald trump is a great salesperson and in some way or another he manages to get what he wants right he manages to get things done you're a salesperson in your own life in the sense that whether you're applying for a job you're selling yourself whether you're applying uh, you know for uh, business funding you need to sell them into why they should give you that funding or why they should give you that loan so We use sales in all areas of life, um, which is why this topic is, is micro, but it's also macro. So today we're going to talk about mindfulness techniques, very specific things that you can do to create more revenue for yourself, to close more deals and to get paid more often. So sales is all about, like I said, it's about connecting with other people, but you have to, it's more than just being nice. It's more than just being friends, right? Sales is not about making friends. It's about making connections, but those people are not necessarily going to be your friends. If you cross that border, then you can end up uh, getting pigeonholed. Um, So it's really important to control that and understand that this is not just about connecting with people in a human way. It's also about getting things done, about getting business done. So the first thing that I want to talk about is controlling disruptive emotions. So disruptive emotions are basically the sensations that happen that are trying to take you off a track when you have a goal in mind. So say you want to close a deal, you're on your third call with this person and you know they're ready to close and they at the last second say, uh, I don't know, I gotta talk to my wife about it or I gotta talk to my husband about this before I make an investment of $10,000. Our first reaction is gonna be defensiveness. Like after all of the value I've created for you, after I put together this proposal, I spent three hours on the phone with you in the last two weeks, You have the nerve to tell me that now you got to go think about it after you already committed. Okay, that is when disruptive emotions set in. And this is where we need control of that, right? We can't fall victim every time we want to get defensive or upset or take things personally. Otherwise, we will self-sabotage. Meditation helps you control those emotions in the moment, right? So we're going to talk about this. A lifestyle of mindfulness and presence sets a stage for success in trying situations. Whether it's somebody being rude to you when you get on the phone, when you're on a sales call, maybe they requested a call with you and they're still rude to you. And it's like the nerve. Like, how could you be so removed that you would request a call? Actually, this happened to me yesterday. I had a call booked for 5 p.m. on a Saturday. And I called the guy twice. I got on the conference bridge. I shot him an email. He got a text message prior to the call and he still missed the call and i was like dude are you fucking serious this guy books me for five o'clock on a saturday i obviously have to go back to my desk and stop what i'm doing in the middle of my fun day to go take this call and the guy misses it so I, i came home from the pool i like prepared all my notes i did my heads up email to him and he misses the call now it's very easy to get upset in that situation but for me i was just like oh fuck it whatever But that's because I've been in so many, one, sales circumstances, but two, I've practiced so many meditations, so many journal entries along the way that this stuff does not affect me like it used to, and it shouldn't affect you. And this is where gaining control of that emotion is going to make you more effective in sales. Of course, the guy called me back a few hours later begging for the call saying, oh, when can we link up? And I'm just like, "Ah, I'll do this on my schedule because I'm not attached to your approval here. If you aren't going to keep your commitment to a time that we scheduled, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to go and chase you. Right? If you want to do business, you got to come back to me. So how can we create presence and empower in a situation like that? When a client says no, you know, that stimulates the cortisol and the endorphins and everything starts pumping and we start feeling temperature and we're like maybe shaking because we're so frustrated or upset. That is what we got to get away from because you cannot act smart and strategic in that circumstance. Your emotions will take over and you will say something you don't mean or you'll hang up the phone or whatever it is. And that is what we got to get control of. So the more that you meditate, the more you will be able to step back and look at those emotions from a third party's perspective, right? In that situation, you really need to stop. Just stop. You can go silent if you need to. Stop and then think about how it looks from the outside looking in. Every time you meditate, you create a habit of taking an outsider's perspective on yourself. So it's just like when your homie is asking, hey, should I send her another text message? I didn't get a reply. And now I've sent three messages at this point. And you're like, dude, no, what do you think? What are you thinking? Stop chasing this girl around. Stop caring what she thinks, blah, blah, blah. But his emotions have gotten the best of him. And so his buddies actually have better judgment and say, No, dude, the way you got to handle it is to go hands off and let her come back to you. Same thing with girls, right? Like the guy's not texting back. Should I text him again? No, the answer is not to keep chasing just because you're emotionally attached to this particular outcome that, you know, either getting the date or whatever it is. So we really want to get good control of that. We want to play the third party perspective and that is achieved through meditation. And so this helps you get used to people making personal jabs at you and you not taking it personally. Because truthfully, it's not personal. It just feels that way. And neither is anything that anyone else does at all. It's never personal to you. It's simply a reflection or projection of something that they're experiencing or they formally experienced. As my mentor says, nothing anyone says or does can change who you are. I want you to stop and think about that for a second. Nothing that anyone else says or does can change who you are. What does that mean to you? Somebody says, I'm too short. Does that mean I'm short? I uh, know that's just their perspective. Maybe they had a dad who made fun of them when they were younger for being too short. And now they take that out on other people, right? So nothing that anyone else says changes who you are. When a client hangs up on the phone, when the, a client calls you an asshole or whatever it is, That doesn't make you an asshole. If they say, why are you calling me after they requested a call with you? Again, it doesn't change who you are. You're still the same powerhouse that you were prior to that conversation. And their words can try to take you off of that. But the more you get a handle on it and the more you become removed from your ego, from the need to feel validated, the less that stuff will affect you. So one thing that's really handy For when you're in a situation when you have a disruptive emotion coming on, say either the client hangs up on you or they miss their meeting or they say something rude to you, silence and patience are great for regaining the locus of control, right? So if somebody says, dude, do you even know what you're talking about? For you to jump in and be like, oh yeah, I actually have an MBA. That is not a productive response. The way to handle that next time is to take a step back and pause. Go silent. And let them live with the words that they just said. And you can take time to digest it. And you don't even have to think in that time. You don't have to come up with an answer. You can just take a step back and pause. Now, silence is super powerful. I just left you a moment of silence there so you can think about that recommendation. Taking a step back when you feel attacked. That is the beginning step. And the same thing with meditation. You're taking a step back from your life. You're, you're almost looking at yourself from the world around you, as opposed to looking at it through your own eyes. It's the same thing, right? We're either removing ourselves from a particular negative situation, or we're removing ourselves from the attachment to the ego through meditation. So another thing that can help you really control your disruptive emotions is to be in alignment with your work, right? I know this is easier said than done, but when you have conviction it makes you bulletproof. If you truly believe in what you're doing, if you are if you are running through all of the security gates to get more masks to the nurses because they're running out and people are dying, you're not going to stop for nothing. And that is the same pursuit that you need in business. So you need to understand at a deep deep level How bad do you want this? Is this like saving somebody's life to you? For me, it is. I carry ultimate conviction. Where do I get that conviction from? I have a team of 15 whose mouths I need to feed. It's just like my family, right? I got these mouths to feed and I'm I'm not going to let them down. I'm not going to let myself down. I've set very clear goals of where I want to go. And so this conviction makes you extremely strong endurance, I would say. Being in alignment, understanding what your big picture goals are, where you want to go with your life and doing exactly those will prevent people from getting in your way and it will help you control disruptive emotions. Because if somebody says, all oh, right, you're doing shit work, it doesn't matter to you if you know you're doing great work, right? If you know you're doing the right thing in your life, then what they say won't change you. Or you could, the opposite is you could let it change you. You could let somebody call you uh, short and you might feel short for that. Or you could let somebody say you're doing a shit job on your company. And if you truly believe them, instead of believing yourself, you'll manifest that. That will become your truth. So you need to be really careful to not let that happen. And I'm sure you can think of times when you did do that, when you did let somebody else's truth become your truth. And you know what? It fucks you up. It throws you off your rails. It ends up sending you in a crash. So... It's really important to understand what you're working for, why you're working so hard, how you're going to get there, because that will all make your deepest heart intentions in line with your daily actions in life. And that is when you become frictionless because you don't have any snags holding you back. You don't have to worry about being an unethical salesperson. You don't have to worry about how people perceive you. You know, deep down, this is what you're supposed to be doing and you pursue it with power and you do not let up. And then that, is what prevents people from throwing you off track. You know, when you're powering through, when you're busting through doors and like powering through goals and stuff, somebody tries to step in and say, you're not doing shit, it doesn't matter. If you know you're a linebacker running through your goals in life, then who cares what they think? All right, so the next topic first was learn to control your disruptive emotions. You can do that with uh, journaling, meditation, yoga, Anything that brings you a higher state of awareness will help you control how you react to people. It will help you take a a moment of silence in between every trying situation, every reactive moment. So number two is studying the art of silence. So we talked about that a little bit in, in the first topic here, but the art of silence is very powerful. So the time that I use silence most is right after I pitch a price to a client. Say I've done this hour-long presentation for a client that's going to be paying $100,000 a month for our marketing services. And I get all of this value. I get all of these questions and I extract these perspectives and goals and feelings from this prospect. And then I get to the price and I say, it's $100,000 a month. You get A, B, C, and D. Blah. Then boom. And then I leave it. Silent. So that's a very powerful closing technique because If you can use your self-control and not say anything, they will have to speak next. And what happens after they say the price? They either bring up an objection or they agree. They either say, oh, well, you know, I can't afford that. And then you can address that objection. But when you jump in and say, it's going to be a hundred grand a month and that includes all of these. And you know what? We love working with you guys so much. We'll even do it for $90,000 or whatever it is. Never continue to talk after you say the price. You should... I even said it a little bit off course when I just told you just now. You should say, you're going to, in this campaign, we're going to build A, B, C, and D, and you're going to get E as a bonus all for just $100,000 per month, which is 20% less than our original prices because we allowed you some pricing and packaging benefits from bundling these together. But whatever it is, say the number and stop. Don't continue talking after that. Don't go and negotiate yourself down. That is my favorite use of the silence. You say the number and they will either agree to move forward or bring up an objection. And then you begin the negotiation process. So just remember this little rule of thumb. Whenever you're pitching a price, stop after you say the number and wait, wait patiently. Sometimes people have waited like two, three minutes on sales calls, just pure silence. The other person is like, what is going on here? This is awkward, like what is this guy doing? You need to be able to control that disruptive emotion And not say anything you're going to be tempted to jump in offer some rationale offer some reason why they should you know move forward maybe you're discounting them or something resist the urge to speak let the silence extract their response because somebody's got to say something and it's not going to be you because you're going to be the one closing the deal remember the person who says less has more control of the situation in negotiation the guy who's talking a lot and wants to be heard or the girl who's you know blurting it all out, she's actually revealing critical strategic information in the negotiation. So you don't want to be the person who's spilling the beans and giving the other person ammo back against you. You want to be the one asking questions. You want to be the one listening. Now, that plays a double value because not only do you look more empathetic because you're listening and you are being more empathetic, you're hearing them out, but you're also understanding how you can best serve them how you can get around their budget challenges, how you can get around the fears and concerns of other stakeholders in the deal, et cetera. So the art of silence is very powerful. It can be used to extract the response, just like I talked about after pitching a price, you're trying to get them to say the next step. Okay, well, let's get get started, go ahead and move forward or whatever, or what are next steps? That's like the most common close after you give them the silence. Silence can also be used to give better answers, right? So we take a moment and pause after we get a hard question and we actually think about it. We don't just blurt out the first thing that comes to mind. Now, that's a super, super powerful way to sound smart and intelligent. You don't go and just start blabbing as soon as you get asked the question. You stop and think about it. You show them that you're a calm, cool, and collected person. You are pensive and you, you take your time. You don't just go and whore out your words. Silence can also help Punctuate a pitch. Like I said before, silence brings a lot more gravity to a statement because think about this. I'm going to say something and then I'm going to stop and then let that sink in. So nothing anyone else says can change who you are. Okay, what did that do for you? What experiences did you have after that? What were you thinking? Right? Now you've had time to process it, right? Now you've had time to digest it. So me going silent did you a huge favor because now you actually have time to think about it. We're not just rushing to the next point. And that's why I'm careful about you know packing these episodes with different points because I want you to have enough time to actually absorb this stuff. The art of silence can also help address an objection, right? So say somebody has concerns around budget. Once you made your pitch, you say, oh, I'm not sure I can afford that. And you say, okay, understood. And then the prospect's going to be forced to speak. He's going to say, well, you know what? Maybe if I use my credit card, I could do it. Or maybe if I pulled some money out of savings, I can make this work. By you going silent right there, you put the ball back in their court. And they're forced to come up with some solution. Their brain power is now put to the test. And people want to use their brain power. So you're doing them a big favor by throwing the ball back to them and saying, hey, why don't you come up with a solution? And that's what the silence does. Next, you can use silence as a negotiation advantage. Okay, so when it comes to negotiating, when it comes to negotiating, silence is super, super powerful. I remember when I was negotiating with Kevin Hart's team and they just sat there quietly. They didn't say anything. And it was forcing me to do all the talking. And I thought it was like so rude and inconsiderate of them. But ultimately, dude, all they had to do was say yes, no. And like they were directing the whole conversation. That was one of my biggest faux pas in business was letting them control that conversation. Because I should have said, okay, what are you guys looking to invest in? And then just let them talk. and just retaking control of the scenario. Instead, I was at their whim. They asked a couple of questions. I came up with some responses, and I just ended up having to face a firing squad of questions, and I was now in the down position. Whereas if we're negotiating and they say, look, your company is not worth $10 million, and I say, well, what is it worth? And then I go silent. Their brain is going to be forced to come up with some solution to that question, right? And they say, oh, five million. You can say, why? Why five? Go back to silence. Oh, why not eight? Because you're going to force them to come up with logical and factual reasons for why they're making an argument. And because humans need to feel that they are in alignment with their word, they will do anything to defend their statements factually, right? So if they say, oh, your company is only worth $4 million, you say, why? Because of the, the cognitive dissonance that could happen if they were to lie to you, or if they were to be out of alignment, they're going to try their best to tell the truth. They're going to try to stick to their original word, the commitment they gave you before, which is another reason why micro commitments are so important. I'll talk about those in another episode. But You're keeping somebody to their word, right? And people want to keep their word. They want to be seen as somebody who keeps their word. It's that simple. Do you want to be seen as somebody who keeps their word? Exactly. Okay. Last thing I want to talk about in this episode uh, in order to close the deals better is using body language. So body language comes from our body awareness, right? It's our way of speaking physically, right? Right. And in order to speak the right message, we need to have an awareness of our body so that we can present it in the right way. You know, if somebody's shoulder is like this, or maybe they're going like this to you and they're like closing off, it's called a blading and they bring their shoulder in and kind of like cut you out visually, that is a type of body language saying, I'm not interested in this. I am trying to avoid you. I'm trying to get away from you. And so that is a communication in itself. Our body carries data. You know, the way that we're shaped carries data that will be transferred in a message to somebody else. So we need to understand, one, what we're saying with our bodies, and two, what other people are saying with their bodies. So if you've ever been in a conversation and folded your arms, have you ever noticed that other people always fold their arms? after you do it, right? Like your cue triggers them to do the same thing. How about when you're sitting at a table in a meeting and you lean forward and then what does the other person do across the table? They lean forward. Happens every time. If you don't believe me, go put it to the test. Go give it a try. So understand that your body language how they receive your message, you want to make sure you're sending the right message, right? If you're if you're going like this, And your arms are folded tight and you're kind of like crunched together and like your shoulders are falling forward. That's going to create a sense of fear in the other person. And you don't want to be creating fear in somebody who you're interviewing or somebody who you're trying to close a deal with. You should be creating comfort and confidence and respect for yourself. So we need to be attentive to our body language, but we can't attend to our body language until we understand it, until we have awareness there. And that is where awareness meditations are extremely powerful because you know, if you've ever done headspace or if you've ever done like a, like a body scan meditation, it, it has you go through the different chakras or the energy centers in your body and bring awareness to them, whether it's your ankles, your knees, your waist, your belly, your solar plexus, your neck, your shoulders, your head. Every time you think about and you notice those, notice the, the sensation, like right now I can feel... Uh, some soreness in my hips probably because I've been sitting at this desk for like two hours at this point but understanding that pain uh, is a little piece of information it's a little piece of data now that might show in my body language if I'm in a meeting right now or in this scenario you know you have me on video here you can see what my body language is saying but I'm aware of it I'm also avoiding letting it control my body you know a little bit of pain here I don't want my prospect to see that right right I mean, you could. It doesn't really matter. But in this particular situation, I would not want the prospect to know that. Hey, you know, my back is feeling a little bit sore right now. So I meditate and I do body scan and I get really aware of my body's physical presence. Each little muscle, down to you know my big toe, my pinky toe, just noticing them, just being aware of them. And when you're aware of how your body is shaping at any given time, you can control the environment and the sales situation better. So. If you come in with your shoulders back, clear, tall posture, intentional in how you you look and how you feel, you're going to create a sense of confidence in the other person. They're going to look up to you and respect you as somebody who respects themselves, right? Whereas if you come in like looking down or you're avoiding eye contact or maybe you got a soft handshake, those are all symbols that are going to create fear in the other person. Does this guy know what he's talking about? Is he successful? Is he is he, you know, broke? Like, why why does he look sad today? Do I want to invest in somebody who doesn't seem to have any gusto about them, no charisma? So you need to be aware of that so you can prevent that from happening. And this awareness, this physical and body awareness comes from meditation, it comes from doing yoga, it comes from fitness, because we're creating intelligence and awareness. Of our actual bodies, right? When you go and you know do a warrior two out on the yoga mat, you're feeling in your chest, you're feeling your abs, all these different spaces, and the the teacher is telling you, "Hey, breathe into it, experience those sensations." Now, you're very privileged to have a body that you can work out in, and even be aware of those situations. Because if somebody's a paraplegic, they can't feel their legs, and they lose this whole half of their body's intelligence, right? Like our gut has as many cells in it as like uh almost as many as our our brain uh, and and there's this this nerve the vagus the, the vagus nerve that goes from your gut to your brain. And so there's like a clear communication pathway between the two and it shows that our gut carries intelligence and, and awareness that can be applied to our real life right It's like it's almost like the the data warehouse I say. it's like where the 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 facts are held that are built up over all these years of cleaning data and refining it and confirming this is the facts about the matter. That's where our gut comes in. Our heart, obviously, you know, helps us with heart-led matters, you know, emotion and love and things like that. But each part of our body carries awareness. Our hand carries information, our bicep carries information. And so those all have the propensity to share information with others, to share messages with others, So you need to get a great awareness of your body so you can control your body language and control the energy in the room. So you bring a sense of confidence and you make it easier to close deals for yourself. Now, I don't do all my meetings in person. I do most of them on the phone. But my body language is always matching my charisma. I'm always sitting upright in my chair. I've always done my meditation, I've always done my push-ups, my yoga in the morning. So I come very physically aware, I come prepared. When I'm on video calls, I look right at the camera, I try to avoid looking away from the camera at all possible situations. So speaking of that, the eyes. How do we use our eyes when we're in the sales scenario? One, if somebody's looking away, that means they are concerned, they have negative emotions about you. You don't want that, right? So you should be looking to connect with people visually. You know, they say the eyes are the window to the soul. So you don't want to just be like looking at somebody like 80, 90, 100% of the time because you can create a sense of like discomfort in them. It can be considered staring. So the sweet spot is really 60 to 70% eye contact. So you should be looking at somebody pretty regularly. Maybe you like look down, take a look at your nose or, you know, as you're talking, you like look off and, and kind of like build this you know, other vision that you have here but not just staring them dead in the eyes. In general, pupil widening is uh, the the client is happy or interested in what you're saying. So if, if their eyes get wide, that's obviously a positive thing. However, avoiding eye contact obviously indicates some kind of negative factors, something you know not positive happening against you. Smiling and nodding, always a good thing. By contrast, any tension in the face or neck in your prospect, shows unhappiness or nervousness. This can manifest itself, for instance, as pursing of the lips, narrowing of the eyes, or crinkling of the nose. So whenever somebody like reveals like visual tension, it means that they're closing off to you. They're shielding you out. They're trying to prevent you from getting any closer to them. Hands and arms. If your customer is drumming their fingers, it, su- it suggests impatience. If the prospect is playing around with things on the table, like the paperwork or their pen, this indicates that they're either bored or annoyed and they're trying to channel that energy elsewhere. When a customer is resting one arm on the armrest and leaning into it, just like I'm doing right now, they're subconsciously letting you know that they have a desire to leave the meeting. It's kind of like, uh, all right, I'm kind of like sitting back here and getting out of this situation. Whereas, you know, if you see the way I'm sitting right now, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see my chest is tall, my shoulders are back, using my hands to talk, very different scenarios. So you want people to be engaged. You want them to be upright. Now, how do we do that? Remember what we talked about. You can lean forward. You can sit upright. Anything you do is typically going to be mirrored by the other person. So you know, if you need to instill a sense of confidence and engagement, you yourself need to engage them, right? Because you're going to trigger that same reaction back. The ideal situation is when their shoulders are aligned with yours and their hands are open to you. Actually, just like I'm sitting right now. My shoulders are facing the camera. It's, it's wide and tall, right? I'm not like crunched up. I'm not like just dis- discomforted, etc. And my hands are pointing at the camera. It's open. It's almost like you can come get a hug from me right now. That means they're interested and engaged in what you're saying. They're looking straight at you. They're not blading like we talked about before, where they put one shoulder in and kind of like look over it to talk to you. You know, I'm sure you've felt that at parties when somebody like looks over their shoulder to talk to you and it feels disrespectful. You don't want that to be happening. You want somebody to be square on with you, right? You want them to square up and be facing straight at you. And that is often created by you, like we talked about. You know, you trigger that behavior in other people, depending on how your body language is. So if you're kind of going like this and your arms are close together and your shoulders are leaning in, you're going to get that out of other people. Lastly, I want to talk about feet. Uh, Understanding where you put your feet and where they put their feet is actually a strangely indicative thing of of where the relationship stands, whether it's in a sales scenario or, or otherwise. You can tell pretty easily that someone is open to your ideas if their feet are pointed toward you, and if they're pointed away, it typically means the person is closed off and is not hearing you out. So think about how your feet are positioned right now. Right now, mine are kind of like pointed inward toward each other and my legs are wide, right? Now, if I was sitting across the table from somebody and my feet were crunched up and, and crossed and pushed against my computer chair, that would tell me that this person is uncomfortable, that they're on, they're feeling defensive for some reason. Same thing with crossing your arm. It's like, it's like you're covering up your heart and trying to prevent anyone else from getting in. So the same thing with the feet. If you notice that that their feet are crunched up or that they're carrying tension, if they're bouncing their feet or tapping, not the scenario you want, right? Um, When it comes to bouncing their feet or tapping, it indicates that they actually feel like they have the upper hand in the scenario. So if somebody's leaned in and they're like tapping their foot, that actually means they think they're about to get one up on you. So you need to be really careful about that. But also just notice like, are their feet crossed? Are they open and looking at you? You know, are, is this person trying to defend themselves visually from you? All right. So I hope this has been helpful. Um, the three things to summarize again uh, that you can learn through meditation that will help you in sales are: first, interrupting and, and preventing disruptive emotions to take control and cause you to have uh, cognitive dissonance; two, the art of silence, using. The pregnant pause, as they say, or using a moment of silence to get a better response out of somebody or to trigger a better response from yourself. And third is use the body language. Use mirroring, understand how they're positioned and why and what information that's sending you. All right. Well, I hope this session on sales techniques for mindfulness has helped. And if you did, I would appreciate if you could share this with somebody who's in the sales world or in business or maybe just anybody who wants to learn more confidence and understand you know, what those little micro triggers are that make deals go through and that make you more successful in your persuasions. So I enjoy talking with you guys. I appreciate you listening and I will see you in the next episode.